Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, it started a little over five years ago um, with uh, Kyle Cole Morgan and uh, his wife. Uh, They started uh, Well Spent with a uh, Belgian beer kind of focus. Um, So we started off doing a lot of lower ABV um, saisons and such. Um, but then we kind of shifted um, towards, you know, lagers and bigger beers. Um, we still love to um, play around with a lot of the Belgian styles, but um, just with the demand of the city, they didn't really want the lower ABV stuff. So we branched <laughs> out. Uh, this place started out as a old movie theater and set abandoned for about 60, 70 years. We built it up to a nice little tap room and having a brewery in the back. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the beer styles you mentioned what exactly is a saison so it is a um drier beer uh typically pretty light in color um so it's going to have a um, lower finishing gravity so it's really nice and dry very crisp um it uses a specific type of yeast um which really ferments a lot of different um sugars and keeps going for a long time so it uh uh, derives some really nice flavors. Um, it could be anywhere from super fruity to spicy to I've even had some like bubblegum kind of uh, flavors, which are really, really fun to play around with. Now tell me the difference between a lager and an ale. One ferments at um, a much lower temperature and is known as a bottom fermenter, bottom feeder, and that's going to be your lager yeast, whereas at ale yeast you'll ferment at a higher temperature and it is known as a uh, top cropper or like a top fermenter. You're going to get a lot more yeast profile from a ale yeast versus a lager yeast. A lot more flavors, whether it be fruity or clean and crisp. I've been told that making lagers is a much more difficult and lengthy process than making ales. Absolutely. With ales, generally you have a lot to hide behind. So like you'll have a lot fuller malt bill, you'll have a lot more hot profile, you'll have Like an IPA, for example. Whereas for a lager, it's usually extremely light, very minimal malt bill, like moderately hopped. So any kind of flaw in um, your fermentation is going to shine through in a lager, um, much more so than an ale. And yeah, you do have to lager a little bit longer. Um, the word lager in German means to, to wait. Like So um, yeah. you, you'll wait longer um, for, for lagers, and, um, and uh, the turnaround time is much quicker for ales. I saw on your menu that you have a British bitter 
And the word bitter tends to turn people off, from what I've been told. And they're not actually bitter. <laughs> so it's kind of confusing, the name. You know, going through some of the British names for beers, you're like... I don't know who named these. They're really deceptive. But, yeah, it's a style that I actually really like. Um, I really enjoy the lower ABV stuff. You can session it a lot because I'll reuse my yeast. So it's a first-generation uh, brew, and then I'll typically use that yeast to do, like, a hazy IPA or another English-style beer. What would you say are some of the trends right now in the brewing industry? You're getting so much IPA out there, and the style has gotten really wild and diverse. Just even for the IPA style, you have milkshakes, you have hazies, you have West Coast, you have East Coast. Cold IPAs, which are the ones I'm into right now. Okay, stop there, because I want you to explain that one. Because I've seen those a couple places. They're really good but I don't know what they are. <laughs> so cold IPA is actually brewed using lager yeast. Um, so it, I ferment it at a slightly warmer temperature than traditional lagers. Um, and so it's going to be very bare bones, Pilsner malt base, and then you really just throw a bunch of hops at it. And um, to do new world, like fruity, you know, mango, passion fruit, pineapple kind of flavored hops um, versus like your traditional dankness or... What's the word cold? What is that part of it? Well, because it's still fermented colder than like a traditional ale IPA, but it is uh, fermented warmer than like a traditional lager. I've noticed that, you know, a lot of the breweries will list where the hops come from or the name of the hops, like Mm. Citra or Mosaic or those terms uh where in general do hops come from for the breweries here in st louis a couple different farms um i really like yakima valley because they focus you know um, that's washington that yeah that's uh going to be in the washington area and um they just do really nice stuff and they contract hops um what's interesting is hops can grow at a certain uh, latitude and it's true for both northern and southern hemisphere so you're getting a lot of um hops that are grown in czech republic obviously um france um germany but you're also getting places like new zealand south africa and australia and putting out some really really fun stuff because they have different soil there so you get a different product um even if it's the same hop it's a fascinating business. So let me ask you about how does one become the head brewer of a brewery in St. Louis? A lot of work. Um, I started off uh, pretty much volunteering at uh, Perennial for about a year. Um, and then... Just volunteering. Uh, just volunteering, washing kegs, helping with bottling. They kind of recommended me to uh, Kyle before this place opened up, and he brought me on. And uh, But I had been home brewing for about six years before I even started doing that. And okay. just became a hobby that consumed my life, and I figured, why not? do it for a living now what do you love about making beer i would say it's the um the creative aspect i can create um as many different brews as i want um obviously i'll repeat uh brews that are popular and and this and that but um uh here at wellspent we don't really have a production schedule i make it myself um but one of the greatest joys is really just at the end of the shift, seeing somebody 
taste one of my beers and being like, whoa, that's really good. Like, it, there's no better feeling than seeing someone enjoy your work. Uh, how do you guys get the word out? Because this is such a competitive beer market. We're very dog-friendly. We're kid-friendly. we very open to anybody and everybody. And then we try to have events um, throughout the week. So we have, like, trivia on Thursdays. We'll start up our Cornhole League on August 1st again, where we are trying to partner with a um, food truck. The soccer park really definitely helps. Um, it's a major stop on the way to the stadium for a lot oh, of city people. city park? Mm-hmm. Being three, four blocks away. And I've noticed that you are doing discounts for people wearing City SC gear, which is cool. Absolutely. 20% discount to anybody uh, wearing gear before a game. We have a teacher's industry night on Wednesdays. We have a lot of local artists that come in um, and they'll hang their art um, for a month uh, in our space. And it's just kind of more or less a free gallery space for them. Um, it makes our tap room look really great. Gives them a space to sell their work. You've got a nice outdoor space, too. I know you've shown movies here before, but you mm-hmm. mentioned the Cornhole League. Uh, what else do you use that outdoor space for? Uh, we've done a few events with um, School of Rock. So they've had their uh, kids come over and showcase the bands. Uh, we've done two or three of those, and it, it fills up the patio. And those kids rock <laughs> Out, I man. Know. It is crazy how good they are. I know. Um, Tell me a little bit about, from your perspective, the St. Louis brewery scene. Well, we are extremely spoiled in this city. Um, we have a lot of breweries that make really, really good beer. What I like is each brewery almost has picked a different area, different style that they specialize in. You know, you want a good Pilsner, you go to, you know, Urban Chestnut, you want a good um, British beer. Um, I mean, outside of us, obviously, uh, uh, you go to Civil Life, you want a a world-renowned stout, you know, you go to Perennial Side Project, Narrow Gauge for, you know, IPAs, live down the street from Modern Brewery, which, I mean, they've been kicking butts and taking names for you know the past couple years we're really lucky to have a couple of uh big time names but you know you gotta love those small guys like you know bluewood too and they're bluewood that's yeah four hands uh rockwell oh yeah they they, they, Um, they have their own niche too i was gonna say i've worked with moxie over at perennial when he was there it's same with uh tommy from side project so like um it's a really tight-knit uh community you talked about collaborating Mm -hmm. Uh, i always enjoy the collaborations that breweries do because oftentimes i find the beer to be really really special yeah um what kind of collaborations do you like to do? How does that work? I really would like to do more, and I, I need to be better at that. We've done a, um, a few in the past. We did a collaboration brew with Narrow Gauge, um, our Vienna Lager. We've done some um, work with Chris at Perennial. Um, we've done a popcorn Kolsch with them. Uh, popcorn Kolsch? Oh, yeah. We <laughs> uh, we air-popped uh, some organic uh, popcorn and threw that in the mash uh, for the Kolsch, and uh, it was really, really tasty. Um, How do you guys come up with these ideas for that kind of stuff? Like, popcorn beer uh that was uh, thought of we've had a popcorn beer here and it was like a super light lager um it is one of the most labor intensive things because you take like maybe a quarter of a cup at a time and you pop it into a, a bag you start the next one and it takes like a week to pop all that popcorn <laughs> gosh 
a week. So it is a it's a, a laborsome uh, um, project. When there was two of us here, it was doable. Now I make a corn logger and I just smash it all up with a hammer instead of. <laughs> Where do you come up with the names of beers? I've always been fascinated by that. Well, it's very difficult nowadays because there's, you know, 9,000 breweries and they all put out 100 beers a year. And you try not to step on anybody's toes by picking their names. So it's actually pretty difficult. I am a big time music lover here. So um, there are a lot of music um, uh, aspects to the names. I went through a Seinfeld phase, so I you choose did. not to run, and I had tuck and roll, <laughs> and I had, you know, a couple others. Um, I went through a big phase where I wanted to do a bunch of uh, mythical story, like Dutch stories, so like Wandering Lights and Blue Garrett, and those are names that are just like from mythology and stuff. So you kind of got to get it from all over, but there are times where I'm just like, are bitter. I'm like, you know what? It's just a British bitter. Like our dark lager, it's just dark. Like, you got let's the- just call it what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes well, you're you come up with a, a good name that fits something. And like our birds and walls, uh, blonde ale is because we've had three birds stuck in our wall. <laughs> they get into the wall here somehow. <laughs> Over the five years, we've had three birds get trapped in our wall. So I'm like, you know, after the last one, I'm like, birds and walls, blonde ale. Like, <laughs> Do you have anything coming up of note that you want to mention? I'm going to be brewing this week our fest beer which should be ready um early september um that's going to be really fun lighter version of a uh, october fest we have plenty of barrel aged offerings um right now in bottles like our barrel aged stout our leo lean named after my dog um <laughs> and then uh i really love our rye wine our uh y rye rye wine which after having one you're not going to be able to say the name <laughs> How much but, alcohol? What's the percentage? Uh, on the rye one, it's going to be 13% and 14 on the um, uh, Leo Lean. So the Leo Lean uh, spent about 22 months and uh, 23 for the rye wine. Um, so almost two years within bourbon barrels for those. That's um, a lot of, it's a long-term investment. <laughs> it is a long-term investment. Um, and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes you get a barrel where you're just like, nah, I got to pitch that. So yeah. sometimes it's a gamble. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.